Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts Technology Community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. By now you've heard of the National Society of IT Service Providers, but why should you join? The NSITSP is committed to transforming our industry into a profession. They've established an industry-wide code of ethics and are working to improve the reputation of IT consultants nationwide. Wherever anybody is talking about IT consultants, NSITSP wants a seat at the table. That includes the media, government regulators, and the general public. Take pride in your industry and show off your membership. Join us today at NSITSP. Com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast. Today, you have Amy Babinchek and James Kernan as your host. How are you doing today, James? Wonderful, wonderful. How are you, Amy? Doing well. I am just back from Channel Partners, so I'm fully recovered. And uh, <laughs> that was that was quite a show. I've never been to a show that was that large, 8,000 people and the expo hall was like multi football fields large. I, I kept saying, I feel like I'm at the home and garden show, you know, where it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, all the booths were like 20 by 20. They were enormous. And yeah, um, I just have never been to a show that was, that was that large. It was a, but it was, was a great experience. Yeah. I've talked to several of my clients that had been out there either exhibiting, you know, in in that or at least just attending and, and listening in, but uh, heard good things about it, good things about it. It was, uh, it's much larger than I remembered. So good for you for going. So what did you learn when you were there? What were maybe a, a key takeaway? Um, my key takeaway, uh, you know, if you're thinking about going to that show as an MSP, I, I hate to say this, publicly, but I don't know if I would recommend it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a, I would say it's a, a, a larger business event, maybe medium on up Yeah. Um, for the, for the small person. And I did run in, you know, I did run into a few, a few small MSPs that were there. Um, they were struggling a little bit to, to find the value of it. Certainly if you're looking to talk to vendors, I will say that the people in the booth at this event were not your typical running around the country setting up booths. That person was there, but then there was also the VP of business development, the head of marketing, the, you know, they were also there in the booth because this is really a wheeler dealer kind of show where where big deals are going down all over the place. So if you really want to get deep involved with a particular vendor or want to make those those other types of connections. This is the show for that, for sure. Yeah, I've, I've kind of heard the same thing. It just, it's too big and too much, you know, and for the average MSP, it probably wouldn't be the best show in the world, but uh, um, some of those shows you can get lost. And somebody even said they thought there were more vendors there than attendees, um, you know, kind of a CompTIA feel, but, um, you know, those Yeah, are... it does. it does have a CompTIA feel to it for sure yeah. it's operating at that vp level um, yeah. but the expo hall i mean anybody who's anybody who's in that expo hall it was multi football fields large 
yeah. I've never seen anything like it in, in our industry. <laughs> Your feet had to hurt uh, walking back and forth uh, through that. So, oh my God. But I tell you, the, uh, the def definitely, you know, my Apple Watch kept thinking I was doing a workout. Is like you know would you seem seems like you're you're doing a workout would you like to record this and I, I'm just walking half a mile down the yeah <laughs> down the hallway <laughs> you, you, you always walk a lot in Vegas that's for sure but I think you walked uh, extra miles for that a couple of people I asked that question to told me they had in over 20,000 steps which oh yeah is, easily yeah easily uh, you know, in the vendor hall though they did make sure to ply you with alcohol I think every third booth was a bar. <laughs> well, that's one way of getting certain people's attention, right? Right. Yep. Yep. You definitely got people into the expo hall for sure. Well, there's there's certainly an abundance of uh, shows to go to. There's all sorts of things going on here in Q2. So um, I know that was a uh, that was a big one. But um, you know, check out uh, Carl's newsletter. He does a good job of of listing out what events are coming up month over month. So uh, I know, I, I think my next one I'm attending is MSP GeekCon down in Orlando. I think that's the 21st and 22nd of May. And then I've got my mastermind event out in Denver, Colorado. I'm real excited about uh, about that. That should be a lot of fun. It's the very end of June. So I try not to travel too much. This industry has no lack of opportunities for learning. <laughs> and, you know, and networking, yeah, for sure, we're, we're very blessed that way. So, Our, Amy, a minute ago, you were talking about um, one of the other things that you learned at the event. I think you went to a marketing session. You want to, uh, you want to share that? That was pretty cool. I did. I went to a marketing session that was different. You know, it was about AI and marketing and, you know, it's definitely the hot topic uh, and you see a lot about, you know, how AI can generate your blog posts for you, how it can generate your, you know, your Facebook posts, your LinkedIn posts. It can, you know, just do all the work for you, right? Um, and, uh, but what this, this was really about how media itself, uh, you know, newspapers, bloggers, writers, all this kind of thing, um, how they're dealing with AI and what the ethics are behind it. Um, and there's a couple of large consortiums that were highlighted and they talked about how, uh, um, how the copyright laws have to deal with AI um, because the copyright laws say that you have to have generated the majority of the material and added your own creativity to it in order to copyright it. So imagine that that impact today, right? So if you write, um, if you write an article, if you write a book, if you write a blog post, um, and you generated that with AI, you are not actually the owner of that material, right? It's like immediately in the public domain. Yeah. So um, I mean, it's a it's a lot to think about how these things are changing. Mm -hmm. um, and then how you would prove it, right? If you if you wrote this with AI or used AI, how would you prove that yes, you used AI, but you also made a significant contribution? Right. And so some of the ethics things they were talking about was um, documenting the prompts, the questions that you asked the AI to help you generate this 
this article or this white paper or whatever it is and documenting what those are. And then that allows the reader to actually, you know, see what was what was created by AI, what was created by you, what your biases might be in the way that you prompted the prompted the AI and which of the AIs that you use to assist in the article. So um, there's a big push to sort of have that level of transparency, which I think is is a wonderful thing. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's interesting. More and more people are wanting to use, you know, chat GBT and, and just AI in general to help create content for them. But a lot of the because I work with a lot of different marketing vendors and content creators and the general feel I have coming from them is it's like, well, AI can't speak in their voice. You know, if they're creating, uh, you know, and it's like, OK, well, what do you mean by that? And then just to elaborate, it's 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 your personality. And uh, a lot of content that I've seen from AI, it's good. And, uh, you know, I like statistical articles uh, and it's kind of seems like that's a lot of what you see AI create but it, it doesn't really have opinions or voices or personalities. And, it's very uh, dry, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's very dry. And I think that's what makes us different and unique. And that's what people do business with people. So just keep that in mind, in, I think, in your marketing message. But um, that's interesting. I had a question. Did they elaborate on you needed to make a significant contribution? Uh, is, that, is that the adjective they used uh, in order yeah. for you to claim... What's significant? Is that more than fifty percent? Is it twenty five percent? Is it seventy five? I, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, and I, I might pursue her to be one of our smart people interviews um, yeah. down the line here because I, I think I have a lot more questions, and sounds like you do too. So, yeah, um, I, I'm sure the listeners do as well. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing topic. Five minutes with a smart person caught up with my brother Manuel. So he actually is one of the smarter people I've I've met in my life. So uh, and I've known him his entire life. Hey, this is Carl. I am with my brother Manuel, who uh, just happens to be a smart guy. So we're going to do five minutes with a smart guy. Um, and I have a I have a question you probably don't want to answer because you don't know that you can answer it in five minutes. So talk to me about the nebulous blob. What is the nebulous blob and why should I care? <laughs> so um, the nebulous blob is probably one of the coolest tools that any MSP could use. Imagine if you took and dumped a report out of your PSA of every ticket that's still in the system with its age, its born on date, you know, and its age, and how many hours you've logged against it. And then you put it into a simple splatter chart. And what you'd find is that most new tickets have no time on them. They're only a few hours old, are crowded down in the lower left-hand corner. But as you move up, they're, they get older as time, or they, as you add, sorry, they get hours added to them, they move up. And as they get older, now they've been sitting there for three days, four days, five days, they get older, they move to the right. So the splatter chart would show you all the tickets and this nebulous blob of tickets in your system. And what you would find is, You've got a bunch of what I call rogues out on the right that are just old, old ass tickets, 100, 300, 400 days old. 
you got tickets that have got 20 hours on them. Those are called time rogues. They move up. But when you got a ticket that's really loaded in hours and it's really old, it's a super rogue. And so think about it like Darth Vader, right? <laughs> if in the, if you want, if you first, if you don't know, you got to go look up that reference. But at the end of the Star Wars movie, and I don't think I'm ruining this for anyone, Darth Vader goes rolling off into space and his ship is just hurling. And if somebody had gone and gotten that rogue, there would be have no, another movie, right? There would be no more movies. <laughs> right. But all your work would be at hand, in hand, in, a, in this small. So the goal is for the nebulous blob is to say, I don't really want to have any ticket more than 45 days old or more than, I don't know. And you set the boundary. I think 30 to 45 days is the max and more than 10 hours. So when you see all the tickets that are outside of there, those are all the stinky tickets that nobody wants to deal with, that the customer's not getting back to us on, that don't even matter because that laptop doesn't exist anymore. They're the ones that your techs stress about. It is the cause of their anxiety. If you get that nebulous blob in order and constrained, you would be un unbelievable how well your service delivery would run. And it's a, it's a powerful tool. And there's many pieces of it that reflect back on your company, right? Some oh of God, those yeah. tickets, a lot of those tickets are there because they're waiting for the owner to approve the invoicing. So they also represent a lot of unbilled labor or, uh, you know, somebody just forgot about it and nobody cares anymore. And like you said, the machine doesn't exist anymore. The client doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, the, the, or the, so the, there's a term for it. It's called technical debt. Every one of those is technical debt accruing interest. And you will pay that technical debt and the interest one way or the other. Why? Because some poor tech has got to go figure out, even the service coordinator has got to go make a phone call and figure out whether that even matters anymore. And some of them that have too many hours, my favorite thing is, look, if it's got 20 hours on this ticket, just call HP, buy a new laptop, install it, and take the other one and drop it in the river. Right? Problem solved. It doesn't get 25 hours, 27 hours, 20 hours, because we haven't figured out how to fix it. And But it, yeah, it's technical debt and the interest is it is compound interest, right? Right. So it's funny. So in my uh, cloud services in a month, I talk about doing a deep issue massage, you know, going through all of those tickets and fixing them all. This one proofreader on cloud services in a month just kept looking at this. And every time she saw deep issue massage, she would say, oh, you must mean deep tissue massage, which she would correct it again and again and again. So uh, but oh, the editor's doing this. <laughs> you're the proofreader. Yeah. So, so I'm like, no, no, no. Like you're actually reading the book, but you're not getting the message. So anyway, the thing is, somebody's got to take care of that on a weekend. Right. But once it's taken care of and it might take you 50 hours to clean it all out. But once it's clean, you've got your arms around your service board. And now it's less than an hour a week to stay up because it's always easier to stay up than it is to keep up. The whole reason that we mentioned that the nebulous blob is it puts it in pictorial form, you know, graphical form where you go, oh, my goodness, all of those out to the right are rogues. Somebody we need to. You know, and so you do the deep issue massage and find out which are valid. There's a whole bunch are still 300 days old, 200 days old, 100 days old. Some are still 10 hours getting older. And 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 yeah, it's and it's 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 an easy tool. You know, email me if you're if you're interested. I'll send you a copy of the spreadsheet. It's pretty straightforward. All right, but very good. So why don't you give your website? We'll send everybody there. Okay. Uh, well, if you can spell my name, it's manualpalachuk.com. No spaces, no hyphens, no dashes, no dots. And my email is even easier. It's manual at 
palachuk.com. And this is the 21st century, so people can just begin to search for Palachuk and it'll pop up. There's a good chance that, here's the best part. It doesn't matter if they search for me or you, they're going to find both of us <laughs> and a few others. Scratch up. All right. Well, thanks for being with us today. And with luck, I will talk to you very soon. Great. Thank you. I know you said you're working with a lot of social media marketing companies, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think is going on with like how many MSPs out there are actually using it? Certainly vendors are using it. Yeah, vendors are, are using it. Um, I Most of the MSPs, at least in, in my community that I work with, I would say most every one of them have some type of social media presence as a window or or lead magnets to kind of pull people into their website or into their funnels. So uh, the ones I see them use most often, believe it or not, are still really LinkedIn, more of a professional community, and then uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, not very many on Twitter, but um, you know that was kind of a question that has come up lately with all the changes going on with uh, <clears throat> you know Elon Musk as he bought. Twitter, there's more and more changes happening uh, where they created the subscriptions for the high-end users. And um, and then there's been all sorts of other announcements, but I'm just curious out there in the listening audience, how many of you use Twitter or plan to continue to use Twitter as part of your social media strategy? And I've seen, seen some people do really well with it, uh, but most in my circles, you know, don't don't really use that. What, what are you seeing on your site, Amy? Um, I don't see people using Twitter or any of the, you know, alternatives to Twitter, at least for marketing purposes. But as far as outreach to clients for my MSP, um, I don't, I don't see them. I don't see them there, right? I do see them on LinkedIn, and I mm -hmm. see them on Facebook, but I don't see them on Reddit, I don't see them on Twitter. I don't, you know, I don't see my potential clients there at all. That's interesting. Just in in my business, you know, I I use it, uh, you know, for brand awareness and and uh, for a variety of things, but really to stay relevant and educate the audience. But I, I seem to I, I do a lot on LinkedIn and then Facebook and Instagram. You know, probably more LinkedIn and and Facebook than than anything. And it, um, you know, it's just, I don't know, to me, social media marketing is, is fun, but you want to uh, help edutain, we always call it help educate and entertain, <laughs> right? If that's even a word, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoy social media marketing. I'm, yeah, the, the funny thing is when you say brand awareness, you know, most people like glaze over, it's like, well, Coca-Cola right. does that and McDonald's can afford to do that, but what MSP can afford, you know, a brand campaign? And really all you're trying to do is just warm up the audience. So when you do call them, you know, on a cold campaign, it's it's no longer cold. You know, they've heard about you or they've seen you out on social media. You know, that's really the whole intent. And, uh, you know, or in some cases they'll raise their hand and, and they'll respond to something that you put out there. Uh, that happens to, to me a lot. So, right. um, but it just yeah, it it takes time. Yeah, that's that's my whole approach to marketing for MSP. 
um, you know, I have a one of my peer groups is focused on growth. And, um, you know, our, our main, the main message, if there's, you know, one single message, uh, we can boil it down to is that uh, MSPs, generally, especially the small ones, um, we don't have salespeople, we're not good salespeople in the traditional sense. You know, we can't have a cold lead handed to us and turn it into anything. Mm -hmm. uh, we need we need marketing that generates warm leads. And brand awareness is how you generate those warm leads. It's somebody who's somebody has heard for you from you and they're reaching out to you, you know, after you know, you have put materials out there and you know created that environment where where prospects now want to reach out to you, right? They feel comfortable. You've you've set set the environment up where those warm prospects are gonna are gonna come in and, and want to speak to you now. Yeah. yeah. As an MSP owner, we can close a deal if the if they're ready to buy, we can we can sell ourselves and close the deal. But we're mm -hmm. not good at convincing people that they need to buy from us, right? <laughs> if you know what right. I mean, like, uh, you know, just meet mm -hmm. somebody and be like, "Oh, no, you need to get rid of that guy and start working with me." You know, we're not good at that. Yeah, uh, that's um, that, that's true. You know, and most MSP business owners are are the same way. You know, if they get eyeball to eyeball with someone who's interested, you know, normally their close rate is pretty pretty good, other yeah. than trying to talk to someone cold. Uh, I, I've always said, you know, the best marketing campaign that everybody should have on their marketing plan is a referral program. And whether you, you know, to me, a, a great referral program is just one that you ask for referrals from your favorite customers and, and you don't need to compensate them. Just write them a thank you note and say thank you when you get a referral. But uh, uh, I'm glad you said that about the compensation because I've always felt the same way. Yeah. You know, I think small business owners are happy to help other small business owners. It, they, they really are. And I mean, this happened to me more than once. But when I was running my MSP in San Diego, at the end of each year, I would always print out <clears throat> and do a three-year comparison of my top, you know, 25 accounts and how much revenue. And I always compare year over year. And the last year I did that exercise, I remember looking and there was a leasing company that was a client of mine, but I did a ton of business with and brought them a lot of leads. Uh, we had a great relationship. You know, really, we were friends and they uh, they did equipment leasing. And uh, what was it? Five of my top 10 accounts revenue wise. OK, five of my top 10 were referrals from him. Hmm. And nice. it, it honestly was amazing. And I remember uh, I tried to send him uh, like a gift card. I forget what a gift card or a plant basket. And and he kind of called and was upset. And he said, hey, we're friends. I, I just want to see you do well. I don't want any compensation. You don't have to give me any money. Right. You know, I just I just want to help you out. So couldn't agree with you more. And And I guess on purpose, that's why I said a thank you card. Um, everybody thinks they've got to do, you know, le let me send the most expensive iPad or the the coolest, you know, gadget or gadget. And it's like, no, you don't need to do that. Just an old fashioned thank you uh, will go a mile uh, and let them know what happened, uh, right. you know, with, with the referral. So um, it's like you know, I always say, this is this is a people business. We happen, you know, we, we have some technical expertise, but 
in in the end it's it's about people yeah yeah and that brings me to something that you wanted to talk about what's what's going on out there with m a yeah yeah exactly um it seems like there's a lot there, there's always a lot of activity in the m a marketplace and um you know it's interesting the approaches you know most msp business owners when i talk to them about m a they're like oh I'm so busy, you know, I get these emails once a week from someone wanting to buy my business and, you know, I just delete them. I'm sick of them. And uh, what I'm seeing more and more of is um, people, instead of just a general solicitation, but uh, they are representing someone and they kind of send out like a one page brochure with all the key stats on the business. And just saying that uh, the latest one I saw was kind of interesting to me because I haven't seen this approach before where it wasn't like, hey, it's a $8 million MSP in the Southwest part of the United States and a 50-50 balance of services and you know product revenue with an average gross profit of X, Y, and Z, you know, 10 employees. They didn't say that. It, it, it had some of that but it kind of listed out what their monthly recurring revenue was, the total number of contracts they had. And then they said they're entertaining offers and they didn't wanna have uh, multiple conversations with people. They just said, what would you value this business at and how would you pay for it? And I've never seen that approach because obviously they got a lot of responses and uh, <clears throat> there was a, a client that I was working with that, you know, we're, we're still having conversations with these folks. And it is a broker that's representing them. But um, I don't know, there's there's a lot of M&A activity happening. Uh, but, you know, that's one interesting approach that that I've not seen before. Have you run into that before, Amy? <laughs> I have not. That's mm-hmm. a that's that's a that's an interesting one. Speaking of the the Channel Partners Conference, I um, had a good conversation with somebody who was having trouble with M and A, and um, the thing he was was troubled him was that uh, he wasn't getting the success rate on you know closing deals that he wanted. He was a buyer, and as we talked about it, I realized that he had he was really missing that personal component, and so. You know, I'm surprised by the hey, you know, what would you value this business at? Because it's that's kind of a little impersonal. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but you know, it's a uh, people do business with people, and it's uh, it's always an interesting thing being a finance major in school. You, you never see people on someone's balance sheet. You know, it's only you know physical, tangible inventory. Um, you know, but to me, one of the most important assets is really the people. It's the people that uh, that you know the skill sets they have, the relationships that they have. Um, you know, and that uh, I was on a EOS uh, implementation call earlier this morning with a, with a client, and we were talking about growth by acquisition, and that uh, you know people are an important way of you know adding to your leadership team. You know, so it's kind of come up in in that instance as well. And that client really hadn't thought of it that way, you know, thinking of their three, you know, three-year goals uh, in that exercise. But 
Yeah, and you've you've had some experience in there. What what else are you seeing, if if anything, uh, here in the M and A area? Um, the activity level still seems to be pretty high. You know, I, I I continue to be of the belief that all of this talk in the in the media about recession is maybe a little overblown. Certainly, some industries like the banking industry, mm -hmm. obviously, is having an issue. But it doesn't seem to be widespread. You know, I just heard the the jobs report. There's more job openings than ever, and the 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 GDP is up. And mm -hmm. you know, so there's there's a lot of a lot of mixed signals. I'm hoping that um, you know this this might be a a sector focused recession that's coming up and not something that's widespread through the economy. Everybody I talk to from any of my MSP clients to other MSPs is all mm -hmm. telling me business is booming. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so everybody's doing well, even though there's a lot of pessimism in the media. So there's a real disconnect between uh, reading the news and in reality for, for people right now. Yeah, at least in, in our channel, for sure. I mean, unless you're you know, an Amazon or a, or a Microsoft, you know, those are the organizations seem like, you know, laying off people. But yeah, you're exactly right. It's uh, there is a huge disconnect from what you're seeing in the media and talking, you know, one on one with the, you know, even the vendors and, you know, the average MSP, you know, they're all reporting thumbs up uh, activity, pipelines are up and, you know, revenues are up. So, um, that, that's an interesting point. I didn't really think of it, you know, being more of a, a, a siloed recession, but some of the economic indicators are still bad, but, you know, from, again, what I'm hearing and seeing, uh, it's, it's all positive really. So then you go to channel partners and see 8,000 people there. It's like, oh, okay, everybody's doing fine. <laughs> oh, right. oh, oh my gosh. And if you went out onto the, onto the sidewalk in Vegas, it was more crowded than I've ever seen it. Yeah. So certainly Vegas is not experiencing any kind of downturn. Vegas is booming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And especially if people were uh, giving away uh, cocktails at every other booth, you know, sounds like all the vendors are doing well also. Right. So. Well, but even even just the, the normal person on vacation in, in Las Vegas, you know, they they were there. The streets of Las Vegas were jammed. The casinos were jammed, not, not just around the, I was staying mm -hmm. in a different hotel. So not, not just around the, the conference, but, but everywhere. So, you know, the, the average person is feeling perfectly comfortable and going on vacation and spending money. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good point. That's a good. Vegas point. makes it easy to spend, to spend money. So. Yeah. It's a yeah. probably it's probably a good good economic indicator, right? How how confident are people? Well, they're willing to go to Vegas and spend money, so pretty confident. Right? <laughs> Consumer confidence uh, is very strong there. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, hey James, we reached the end of a, another very good episode of the SMB Community Podcast. Um, Thank you for participating today, James, and we will we will see you next week. You bet. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, 
please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.